Hello, my name is Matt Lamar, and you are listening to the Village Presbyterian Church Young Adult Podcast that we are recording for the summer of 2019 as we delve into varying Bible figures um, and what they mean for us um, in our life today. Trenton, who are we talking about this week? I get to start. Yeah, you get to start. <laughs> uh, we're talking about Cain, as in Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. Now, Hallie, everybody knows this story. Even non-Christians know this story, right? Cain murders Abel murder bad, that's seemingly the end of the story, right? Or is there something more to this that we're sort of missing, at least on the surface story level? Interesting question. There's always probably something that we're missing. Um, yeah, so the, the cool thing about this story, right, not the cool thing, I think I think the, the theme we're sticking with for this story, for this purpose, is to talk about um, inequity and unfairness and how this is a reality of our world and our lives. This is a thing that happens in the story that that God loves Abel's sacrifice more than Cain's. And still now, with all of the things that we know about culture and language and stuff, we're still not entirely sure why God prefers uh, Abel's sacrifice. There's just an unfairness to it. And Cain's reaction to that unfairness is what uh, results in our first murder. Still a murder mystery even today. So that kind of unfairness that's inherent in life and and what we do with it, how we handle it. So Trenton, tell us uh, what things we should pay attention to as we're reading this story. Well, I think that you're right. Uh, There's always something underneath. Otherwise, it would be a very short podcast. You all know the story. Hallie just summarized it very well. So let's jump ahead to where God comes to Cain and says, where's your brother? Uh, As if God doesn't already know. Uh, this is kind of like when a parent asks a kid who spilled the juice on the rug. No one's really wondering. Everyone knows the answer. <laughs> but God likes to pretend, and here we go. So uh, Cain says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? So when you read that, we think Cain is flipping the question onto God. He's being sarcastic. He's being an ass. He's acting like I do. That's not really what's going on here. So uh, if you take it to the Hebrew, and I won't get into all the details because that's super in the weeds, the word I... In Hebrew, is the same word that is used in the Exodus story when God is giving the Ten Commandments to Moses. When he says, I am the Lord your God, uh, it's the same I. So what this is really saying is Cain is talking to God and Cain is saying to him, I don't know. God is my brother's keeper. You are in charge of where he is and what he's supposed to be doing. That's not my problem. So Cain's asking God a couple questions here. And I think that we should look at it first. He's saying, you can't put this on me. I'm not you. I'm not God. And then he's also saying, why did you even give me the ability to kill him in the first place? Why did you put evil in this world? You are God. You could have done whatever you wanted, yet you made me jealous. You made me angry. You made me feel these things that I'm feeling and didn't know how to express. And it's basically a question of WTF. God doesn't really answer it, but I think we're left to. Uh, Hallie, what do you think? What I love about this story, and, and it's this is right after our creation story, right? These are the first kids, and they're killing each other. And there's a pattern to these early Genesis stories of um, things are made, and they are good, and then humans screw it up, and then God's like, hey, what'd you do that for? And then humans get defensive and then there's there's some sort of turn in the story where, in my interpretation, uh, it's God that makes a turn and allows another way to happen and allows another way to be born. God doesn't get so mad that everything is just swiped clean, right? Like, God could be like, damn it, Cain, and then just start all over. But mm-hmm. God doesn't. God 
uh, marks Cain and sends Cain away. So there's this pattern of starting with something good, screwing it up. You know, there's a moment of forgiveness where there's some type of conversation. There's a relationship that's happening and then another way. And that I think can be seen through all of our faith or story, through all of life, just this pattern of relationship that we have with God, that we have with the Holy of, of trying to get it right, of screwing it up and of God allowing us m- multiple times to, um, to try again. And one of the things I like that uh, we should pay attention to as you're reading this is just the language. There's some things that will just sound strange. And so it's helpful to keep in mind that uh, how this is written, it's in Hebrew and it's um, poetic. And that doesn't come through in English. But if it sounds strange, it probably means that um, you're, you're reading into that, that this is a, a story of poetry. This is not about two brothers who really existed who really did all of these things, right? Like this is a a wisdom story. This is a story that teaches us something about the world and about God and about life and about all of these patterns of things um, that we can continue to to read again and understand again in different times of places to speak to us um, in our own, in our own situation that we are in. It's uh, not necessarily historic, but it is true in the sense that it's teaching us something. So unlike you two, um, I am not a professional religious anything. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a doctor, a theologian, uh, any any of that. So you're smarter than mm-hmm. <laughs> you went the right way. I went the right way. Um, so so my question, you know, is is as someone who doesn't find as much meaning in the Old Testament as I probably should, because I feel like some of it's lost on me. Trenton, what is the something in the story that we don't really recognize today if we don't know Hebrew, if we haven't researched it? You know, what what's something that can enrich this story for us today and for, um, you know, our, our takeaway from this? Well, that's a great question, Matt. I think that uh, it's really important to understand what happens next. So we see that Cain, that God punishes Cain and says, you are going to wander. You are going to be lost. You are not going to have a family. You're not going to have a civilization. You're going off into the desert. And so he sends him east of Eden, which, of course, is a great book nowadays, too. But uh, they would have understood that to mean death and desert. And that's why Cain goes on to build a city. He's trying to build a civilization that later falls. But I think what's interesting, too, is God gives him a mark because Cain says, oh no, people will kill me. This punishment is too much. As if he thinks he doesn't deserve to die for killing someone else. It's an interesting interplay there when there is no law, but Cain's trying to negotiate for a better punishment. Um, so God says, okay, fine. We'll do it your way. And he gives him a mark. We don't know what that mark was. Some people say that God wrote uh, one of the letters of his name of Yahweh onto Cain's forehead. He would have carved it in which seems very painful, uh, but also interesting. It would have been a billboard. It would have been something that other people would have seen and known that Cain had committed murder, but it would have been a, a warning sign to not do it themselves. And I think that that's important because I think we often think of God and his signs and his marks of power or of importance as as almost cute. Um, that we look at the rainbow after the, the, the flood story and we think, oh, that's really sweet. You know, God creates new life and puts a pretty rainbow in the sky. And that's, that's really nice. And we see a rainbow, we think of God. I think that here, what we are dealing with is the double-edged sword of God's promises. 
and that God will put up a sign like a rainbow and say that I am never going to do this again. I'm never going to wipe out all humanity and start over like Hallie was saying earlier. Again, I'm going to, I'm going to give everybody multiple chances, but it's also a warning of God's power. It's an interesting thing. It's, um, I think of these things more like scars, mm-hmm. right? Like we would prefer not to have a scar from the thing that we've mm-hmm. been through. I mean, real or emotional or whatever the thing is, but often they become uh, scars that we bear become a sign of, of a survival of something, right? Like mm-hmm. we've, we've gone through this thing and this has happened, but it hasn't completely taken us. And often the hardships that we go through make us stronger mm-hmm. and some of these signs in these early books are similar to that, that um, it is known what God can do. And so we don't do those things again. And yet it's also a, a marker that goodness in life can happen after the hardship, mm-hmm. which is cool. I think too. Yeah, I agree. And I think that even in our modern age, for example, I have a scar on my forehead from when I was swimming as a kid and I ignored the do not dive sign <laughs> and damn it, I dove and I hit the bottom of the pool and cracked my head open. It used to be behind my hairline, but now that I'm 30, it is front and center of my forehead. <laughs> I think here though, it's, it's thing Hallie is making a good point. It's a scar that when I look at it, when I'm shaving in the morning, I think, well, I'm never going to do that again. And it's something that we've got that I've gone through and survived and is okay with. And so it's a sign that, hey, I was privileged and had good medical care, but it's a reminder of what not to do. And I think that that's a, it's a good memory, even in our modern age of technology. We still need those things as humans to look at and remember. Guys, next week, maybe we'll discuss something a little more um, happy-go-lucky than Cain murdering his brother. But even if we don't, how should we find the Young Adult Ministry online? It's all online. You go to villageprezya.org, villagepresya.org, and see everything that we do there. And all 20s and 30s are invited to participate.